and joining us on our NAM Cares calls. You know, we used to do this on a weekly basis, and now we're doing it, of course, on a monthly basis. But good to have all of you here that are able to join us tonight. Our speakers, um, you'll be able to unmute yourself when the time comes for you to speak. But once again, for the rest, just so we cut out the background noise, you'll be muted while the speakers are talking. If you do have a question, just submit it to me in the chat function and you can um, ask a question in the chat function and then at the end we'll have some time for question and answers. But just works better doing it that way because it cuts out the problem with the um, background noise. I'm gonna ask Brother Galen Thompson that's on here with us, the Director of Training, if he will open us up in prayer and then we'll go ahead and get started. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to share together. It's an absolute thrill to listen and to hear from the experience of those who have gone forth to plant. We honor them and we honor those who are with us, O oh God, who are laboring in the field and hunger to hear and to learn and to understand. So we open up our hearts and our minds. and We pray your blessing and your covering and your anointing upon what happens tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And I pray for every church planter right now in the midst, O oh God, of this national crisis and pandemic, that you'll give them hope that you'll raise their faith in God, and that you'll cover them with your blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Got to give special recognition to Mark Blackburn. He has his church name behind him. He's on here representing Cross Church. You know, don't miss a chance to, to mention or, or promote your church. Good to have you there in Kansas City, one of our Metro missionaries. As I mentioned, we have four of our church planners that are with us here tonight they're going to be addressing you know four various topics of um, church planning of answering the call which of course is the first step i mean many are called few are chosen but some have to answer that call then we're going to talk about growing the church then we're going to talk about connecting the church to the community and then building a team so i'm not going to take too much time away from our speakers we're honored to have them here with us First, we have Brother Jim Wiltshire here with us, pastor of the chapel in Connecticut in Norwalk, and it's an honor to have him on the call. And Brother Jim, we're going to just have you start out talking some about what you've learned from answering the call and going from being a minister to being a church planner, and maybe some lessons you learned along the way for those who may be starting the process or those thinking about making that leap of faith. So Brother Jim, thank you for being with us. Well, there we go. Great. It's good to be here with everyone. God bless you all. It's uh, very exciting to be a church planner in, uh, in the world we're serving today. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, yeah, so answering the, answering the call is um, how did I know I was being called? It was a big step for us. When we, got out, when we graduated from uh, Bible school, we were looking for a place to go. We prayed for where to go, and, and we felt like we made the right decision and came to Connecticut. So uh, in Connecticut, we started uh, several years ago with a small uh, home missions work. Uh, it was us and another couple. We were assisting a couple, and uh, we spent about four years there. Uh, that congregation grew to about 70 people, and it was a very strong congregation, still is today, and uh, being pastored by a different couple now, but uh, still there on the map and doing great work in the area that they're in. Uh, then the next uh, step was... Uh, I put myself uh, on a on a team in Manchester, and uh, we served for 20 years in that congregation, um, and we helped with the adult community. That was part of our uh, that was part of our job was connectivity, uh, retention, uh, making sure that the uh, the folks got involved uh, in the community. So I don't want to go very long on that, but we stayed there for 20 years. And how did I know about the call? Well. In the very beginning of that commitment of 20 years, I told that pastor I wouldn't be that guy, that guy that comes to you every time a church opens up, uh, that guy that every time that somebody or one of your friends calls you and says, hey, there's a church opportunity for you. I promised I'd never do that to him. I'd commit myself to him, submit myself to him. And uh, when the time was right, God would reveal, reveal it to him. Well, it was 20 years later. And... Uh, he never took, he never takes uh, appointments before service, called me and my wife into the office and said, God spoke to me and told me that, uh, I thought I was getting fired. I'm not going to lie. Um, he, uh, 
He calls in the office and said, uh, hey, listen, uh, you've, you've been faithful for many years, and I know your heart. Uh, if you have any uh, desire to do ministry outside of the framework of this church, then I'm letting you know that it's okay to pursue that. And I was like, that was the commitment we had made 20 years ago that I wouldn't bug him until he told me. So the answer in the call, the first thing I knew, the sign of that call was that he was, he was releasing me to be able to do it. One week later was a conference here in New England, and uh, I went to the conference. It was a Thursday night. It started on a Thursday night. Um, I left that evening with 14 speaking engagements. I was blown away. I went out and we sat, my wife and I sat in the car, and we said, what in the world is going on here? And we were just completely floored. So uh, we went back and we started to pursue um, a ministry speaking out. And uh, one of the things that was great about the way God works is that actually over the time of us speaking, it grew into about 40 something, I think it was like 43 services that we spoke outside of the church that we were in. Uh, so God was actually taking our 20 years of connectivity in that church and distancing us from it. Uh, to make for a very easy transition when the time came for us to answer the call. Uh, so we were driving through, I was driving through town one day. I was uh, bivocational, as many of you are. I was driving to um, my office, and I was going through this little town that I cut through, and God spoke to me in my car and said, you need to come here, and you need to start a church. And if it wasn't just unbelievable that the following uh, weekend, Brother Kenneth Stewart was preaching here in Connecticut, and uh, he preached our uh, North American Missions rally, and he preached on Will You Go, and that was the year that I stood up that night. My wife and I stood up, raised up our hands. So there was consecutive, there were signs that were that were given to us that we saw that were completely clear that this was the right thing to go, and uh, we did that. So. Isaiah 7, 11 says, ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. And I think that it would behoove us that if we are going to go out and we're going to do this, that we want to make sure that God is in it and that we're not doing it ourselves. But there are true signs that God is directing you and guiding you to the right place. And, and uh, I don't know where you are on the journey, uh, but I'll tell you this. Um, there's no question that we are in the right place. Uh, we are, God has given us a beautiful building. We, I'm sitting in a parsonage that I just, it's, um, it's unbelievable what God has done. Uh, we live right on the church property right next to us. It's just, and I hand to God, my, my rent for this house, what I pay for the church, lawn care, everything is less than my mortgage on the house that I was living in in Manchester for everything collectively. It's absolute miracle from God. So, um, We've uh, got involved in the community, and uh, and they just God just keeps bringing people and bringing people. So that's great. So look for a sign. Twenty years I waited. Uh, got to be patient sometimes to make sure it's right. Um, there was the obvious voice of God that spoke to me, and we just were continue to look for markers uh, because the unexpected is everywhere if your eyes are open to it, and God will reveal His plan, a perfect plan for you. Uh, so that's great. The next thing um, that I thought uh, we'd touch base on was how the transition becoming a minister. I'm not going to tell you that was the easy part because it was tough. Um, it, it was real hard, um, especially on my family. Um, you know, we're still, we're still, I'm just being, I'm going to be honest, the devil's going to come after you for doing what God wants you to do. But I, I'm going to tell you, pray for over your family, pray a cover over your family, have some, have some good leadership. And, uh, the last, and I'll be very quick, the lessons uh, that I did learn uh, that I could share with you is always count your costs before you take the step. Make sure that you're doing it, count it once, twice, three times, maybe four times. Make sure uh, that you're not pushing your own agenda before God's agenda, because it's very important to let the Lord lead what he's doing. And uh, he will do that for you. Uh, make sure you get a budget uh, for the Thompson. Your brother takes care of my budget, so uh, we're in good we're in good hands with with the Thompson in our in our backyard. So uh, we're so blessed. And um, <clears throat> don't judge yourself 
with the success of others. Don't do it. Make sure that you are God's man for where God has put you or God's woman, out of respect here, uh, for what God is doing in the area that he's called you to. Don't, don't look at the neighbor. Don't look at your friends that are calling you with, with reports that, and you're looking at two or three chairs. Listen, man, we didn't know what we were doing. We came here knowing nobody. We moved our business here. Everything six months before we got here. We ran Facebook ads. That's all we knew what to do. Teach a Bible study, Facebook ads, Facebook ads. Put it out there, put it out there. We had 18 people show up the first night for our Bible study. It was unbelievable. 18 people showed up. They wanted to know everything. I would have to tell you in, in, in all honesty that they're probably a good 80% of them are still attending this church tonight. So you, you know the signs are all there and God's in it. And, uh, and we're in it to win it. So I hope, the, I hope that helps somebody. I don't know where else. Oh, treat your community like your congregation when you get there. Treat your community like they are your congregation. Love them. Care for them. Love up on them. Just get out there. Get in the middle of it. And do everything that you can to be part of your community. It's, it's amazing. So I had a, I just, real quick. I'm sorry, man. I'm blowing I had a guy, a guy, guy this week, because you get excited. You got a guy this week I've known for two and a half years in this community through our Chamber of Commerce. He said that he was listening to Charles Stanley on a, on a uh, porch of his back of the house. And he said, Charles Stanley said, you need to find yourself a local congregation to be part of so that you can grow your faith, not just by these broadcasts, but every single day. He said, the sound went out and I heard an audible voice that said, Pastor Jim Wilshire. And he came to church on Sunday for the first time. So keep with it, folks. God's going to do that work for you. Amen. Thank Brother, you. Brother Wilshire, thank you very much. You know, I always say within five minutes of hearing someone talk about church planning, I can tell you they planted a church themselves or not. I'm not trying to be mean. I can tell the ones that read it in the book and those that dug it out with their bare hands. I can tell from your passion and just what you shared. That we had two questions come in from you when we moved to Brother Youngblood. Can you share an experience when something went wrong when you did not count the cost? Brother Wilshire, for you, yes. Can, can you hear me? Can you share an experience when you didn't count the cost one time? You mentioned counting the cost. I think you're, you're, you're muted. Let me unmute you. Okay, there we go. I got it. Sorry. Okay. The, um, yes, um, I can. Um, I, I, can t I can tell you that when we first got to town, uh, what, we what we didn't plan on uh, was for our family in the beginning. Uh, we, didn't, we, we, we should have spent more time making sure that our family was solid. It's not just about money, but it's about it's about all of the elements that are in your ministry. Um, we we had that attitude to get up and go, and probably could have spent more time making sure that the family unit was solidified. So that would have been what definitely one of the costs okay. I didn't count. That's good advice. You know, the money the money <laughs> is is been, it's crazy. It's been crazy. It's been crazy. We we owe no money on anything. Nothing. Absolutely, the hand of God, the money. Matter of fact, during this whole COVID, our giving has risen. That's awesome. Uh, it is unbelievable to tell you. That, I mean, just unbelievable. We have people, 60% uh, of my church pays their tithes uh, online in, in an ACH debit format. They get, the money comes right out of their, their check. The finances are there every yeah. single month. God, it's been amazing. So I, I tell you one thing we've seen, Brother Worship, those that had online giving and people giving electronically before COVID did a lot better. But thank you very much. We'll come back to more questions from Brother Wilshire at the end. But Brother Josh Youngblood is with us from Little Lamb, Texas, Grace Church. And we're going to have him, amen, share with us about connecting to your community. Some things hey. he's learned after you've answered the call. Awesome. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be part of the conversation tonight. And I, I want to thank the NAM team, Brother Stewart. Thank you, Brother Thompson. Uh, my wife, Shell, and I, we launched our church uh, just over two years ago. And so we're still figuring this out, learning what we're doing and what we're not supposed to do. But I want to give honor to uh, 
church planners, I know there's someone on the call. You've done this a lot longer than I have. Um, and so we honor you for doing that and also honor those that are just in the midst of doing it now. You're planning and establishing churches. And so we give honor to you tonight. I've got eight minutes, so I want to quickly get to this idea of connecting to your community. And I want to give some scripture support for what we're doing. I want to throw out a couple of key concepts and then leave you with a few practical next steps. But let me frame our discussion tonight, uh, this portion, let me frame it with a question. If your church ceased to exist, would your community know that your church is closed? And, and to follow up on that, if, if your church ceased to exist, would your town, would your community, would they miss the impact that your church has on the community? Jesus compares the church to a couple of things in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. I'll read this to you. It says, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14 says, you are the light of the world, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And I think what Jesus is communicating in this passage is that salt and light impact everything that they touch. And so as a church plan, as a new church, that's our goal, right? That's our mission, that everything we touch, every person that we touch should be impacted by us. One more verse of scripture, Matthew chapter 13, verses 44, the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, and he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, I think that Jesus provides some clarity to church planners and those that are involved in church planning uh, in 2020, that the man in this verse of scripture bought the whole field. He didn't just go and, and get the parcel of land or, or section it off and buy just a small section where he initially found treasure. And I think in this verse that Jesus is giving us a baseline for our reach, that our goal is the entire field, that we should be reaching the entire field that God called us to. So if God called us to a field, we should carry a burden for that entire field, that we should serve the entire field. And I just think that, that we should be as church planners, that we should be so good at loving and serving our field that our community recognizes that we're invested there, that our community recognizes they're here to stay. So we have our mission, we have our reach from Jesus. I wanna look at a couple of key concepts. The first one I wanna share with you is that you have to be authentic, um, that God's not asking you to be anybody else, that God is calling you to your community, God's calling you to your field um, because of your strengths and your weaknesses, that God knows exactly who you are and God's asking you to go to a specific location. The reality is, is that even though we think we can hide it better the truth is people see right through fake. They can see it, they can smell it, they can recognize. And so I'll just say this, that if you have no interest in your community, that will show. And if you're not interested in your community succeeding, if you're not interested uh, in things improving for your local economy and in your area, that will show. Uh, conversely, if the extent of your interest in your community is how it will benefit you as a pastor and how it benefits your local church, that also shows. And if the only thing that you're caring about in your community is you, it's pretty evident. That's a key concept. The second one I want to share with you is that you need to be where people are. And I know that seems counterintuitive. We, we, we know that. We understand that. But be where people are. I think it's important. If you're going to work a job, work somewhere in your field, if possible. Um, and I, I think that bivocational, that is certainly not a bad word. It's a phenomenal word. Um, and it's going to give you opportunity to connect. It's going to give you your first group of people. If you're moving to a space that you're not from, it gives you your first group. Uh, I think it's if you get to your community, you can find existing organizations that are already doing good. Uh, there's mechanisms in place that are already serving. There, there's service organizations and charitable organizations, and I'll, I'll highlight a few of those in a moment. Uh, there's groups in your town, I promise you, that are already networking. There's groups of people that are already getting together. They're getting together consistently, and they're building friendships or building connections. And as a church planner, that's where you want to be. I want to find where is the group of people, where are folks meeting in my town, how do I get in the middle of that? Um, you need to let people know where you are, uh, and that's already been said tonight, you know, social media is a phenomenal tool. It's not just a place for you to snap pictures of what you ate for lunch and what you think about wearing a mask or not, and, uh, you know, it, it, maybe don't share that for a few days, but it, it, you can let people know where you are. Um, I, I think it's important that, that you know, make sure you've got signs out, right? That, that uh, we have people in our church that are coming to our church because they saw a sign. Um, and so it makes me want to go buy all the signs if that's all it takes, you know, and you know, that's not the case. But um, social media works, you know, make sure that your people, make sure that your, your community knows where you are. Invite your church to share things that your church is posting. Invite people to tag in, 
All of these things create a presence in your community and help people find you where you are. So we've got, we've got this mission from Jesus. We have this reach. There's a few key concepts. Let's look at uh, a few practical steps. What can you do? Uh, what can you take from this? Uh, and maybe some ideas that don't cost a lot of money because the reality is um, money is, is, is limited. I've never met a pastor. I've never talked to anyone that said, I have too much money. I don't know what to do with it, right? All of us are looking for the bang for the buck. So let me share a few things. Uh, and uh, Brother Wilshire also mentioned the Chamber of Commerce, but that's a great place. If you're moving into an area, tag in with the Chamber of Commerce. They're looking for volunteers. Um, and volunteers means you don't have to pay to be there. Like they're just glad that you're coming. They're looking for hands and bodies. And so you can serve. Um, as an ambassador, a lot of chambers have that. It's a very practical thing. Uh, all an ambassador does is celebrate people that are moving to town. And if that does not seem like an avenue for a church planner, you're in the wrong business. Like you're, all you do as an ambassador is welcome people and you celebrate the, the milestones in their lives. It's a very practical thing you can do um, to, to get noticed and to get connected in your community. Um, serve your community, right? This is a, a, a buzzword, serving others, right? But it's a, actually, it works. You know, you can take meals to first responders. Um, you can pick a school in your community and serve a school. Um, designate a serve Sunday. We, we did this at our church. Our church loved it. Um, and we had great attendance on Serve Sunday. A lot of folks in our church showed up. We wore Grace t-shirts. Uh, we were branded and we served all over town. And so we had people going to the police department, people going to the fire stations. We had folks uh, working with Parks and Rec and cleaning up parks. And we had a, a group of people that were helping with the, uh, the local food bank. Um, and we took a Sunday to do that. And I know there may be some thoughts on that. But for us, it was like, you know what, we're going to take the two hours we would spend in the building. We're going to get outside the building and we're going to just invest in our community. Um, I think that this does a couple of things. That serving your community, it will build equity for you. As a pastor, as a leader of the church, it builds equity for you, but it also builds equity for your church. Um, that, that serving, there's a relationship between serving and trusting. If you start serving your community, you're going to gain trust in your community. Um, and it lets your community know that you're invested, right? That you're not just caring about your church, you're caring about the whole field because God called you to the entire field. And so, uh, serving will lead to opportunities. It's amazing, even in big towns and big cities, that when you boil it all down and strip it all down, there's a group of people that are making things happen. There's a, a small group of folks that are willing to invest their time and resources and energy, and you want to be part of that number. Uh, the last thing I'll share with you as far as practicality is get in your field. Um, that means eat local, frequent local, even if it means that the best restaurant's 30 minutes away, man, by all means, go there sometimes but make sure your face is known in your community. Go buy the food that doesn't, it doesn't taste as good. Make sure you tip right. If you cannot tip, do not go. All right, hello, somebody. But make sure that you are, you're eating local. Shop local. Is there, is there a, a shop in your town? Who are you meeting, right? Shop local. Local services like insurance. I understand you can go online and save five bucks, but if you can build a relationship with your insurance agent, he'll come to your church. Mine's coming. Uh, you know, if, if you do those things, uh, and you, put, you intentionally reach for your community, it's amazing what you're doing uh, is you're connecting all over town. And what you're doing, uh, what we're called to do, right? We're called to invest in the field. We're called to buy the whole field. We're called to make sure that everyone that interacts with us is impacted, right? That there's light and there's salt in our lives. And so I think that's so, so important because the reality is every person you connect with has the potential to come to your church and hear the gospel and have their life change forever and their eternity impacted. And that's really the reason why we do what we do. So thank you, Brother Stewart. Amen. You know, thank you very much for those practical tips, you know, Brother Josh. You know, one thing I learned um, even when we were starting our church here in Tampa, sometimes we would do some things that um, had no direct benefit to the church. I mean, with that, some, a lot of things you do, you do outreach, you go to festival, you pass out flyers directly to the church. We did Habitat for Humanity where on the surface of it, we were supporting another organization, but it's almost like you got more credibility by doing some things that, you know, in the end, you, you want them getting your church name out there also, but you, didn't, you don't go into everything with immediate you know, return on investment. So I think that was some very good strategic things that um, Brother Youngblood shared with us. If you put those things to, I meant to mention in the, uh, beginning of the call that we will have this recorded and will be on our website tomorrow. Sister Vanessa Hoffman is also on this evening and she's a promotions assistant there at headquarters and she'll have that posted. So if you miss any of this, we want to share with someone and it'll be on the resource tab on our website tomorrow. But thank you for those practical tips to connect to our community. We'll come back to some questions for you also.
We have Brother Johnny Marin here with us. Um, he also pastors here in Tampa. And Brother Johnny, I, I have your church's name in front of me, but I know if I try to say it, I'm not going to say it right. So forgive me for not introducing you by the name of your church. We'll let you tell us the name of your church and then share some tips with us you've learned about growing a church. That's all right. So my name is Johnny Marin, uh, Tampa, Florida. I call it IVN. It's a lot easier. Iglesia Vida Nueva. Um, IVN will be will be easier, Brother Stewart. Thank and you. and thank you for for having us and and allow me to be part of this. Um, I take it um, as an honor, and it's an honor to serve with you all, church planners, and we we are in this together. And uh, we started the church four years ago. Uh, just my family and I. I moved from Fort Lauderdale, uh, Brother Hartable's church, and I moved here to to Tampa, Florida. Uh, uh, and and here in Tampa, Florida, we started the church four years ago. Just my wife, my little daughter, and uh, and a sister, uh, just four of us. And thank God, by the day today, we're running between a hundred to a hundred and twenty uh, people every Sunday. Attendance last uh, Wednesday that we had service in our church, we had about. Uh, I believe 76, 78 people in a midweek service. So God has been doing uh, great things in, in our midst. And, and I want to touch about, um, talk about five, five points that, that uh, I think it's important. And church growing can be uh, tricky. You know, there's not really a, a, a magical uh, thing to do when you're, when you're growing at church or uh, you can read books, you can do everything that you want, but in reality, uh, God is the one that, that gives the growth, you know, but uh, I believe there's certain things we can apply into our lives and to our ministry uh, to help our church grow. The first thing I want to uh, talk about, and, and I don't want to get controversial here, but, um, but um, I, do, I do care about numbers. Um, uh, my number one is attendance. Okay, I haven't seen the first person say, um, I don't believe in numbers uh, when they're counting the offering, you know. So, I think we all, we all believe in numbers uh, at some point, which whether we, we, we take it in people or money, but we do believe in numbers. So, attendance is very important. Uh, and we took attendance since the day, day, day one. Uh, what does um, this do to us? So, how it will help us? It will help us first to keep us um, accountable, to keep us in the right track. When we take attendance, uh, it keeps us always in the in the same in the in the in the same uh, uh, place. Second of all, uh, it will challenge us. It will bring something to us and 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 help us as church planners to to have goals, uh, to see somewhere else. Uh, taking attendance will let us know if we are in the right track uh, with the programs and the things that we are doing, and it will challenge us to change strategies or to keep doing the strategy that, we, that we're, we're doing. Uh, in the beginning, we, we, my wife and I, we took attendance. After that, we taught, uh, teach the, the ushers to uh, take attendance. And, and this is something that we do. We take attendance inside of the church. Every human being, the breeds and it comes to the church uh his count as a person so uh, uh we count him uh, we count the cars outside in the parking space uh we we go by the rule 80 percent uh so your building will fill up uh or it will be uh fill 80 percent of the capacity so thank god by day to day we have expanded our church uh four times um, so every time we get to the 80%, we, we rent in the next unit or, or we make a move uh, to add more chairs. So that will help us in the, in the growing um, aspect. The second point is uh, consistency. I think consistency, it's, it's a drill. And, and we have to do everything that we can to be consistent. Uh, we have to be real, and I'm, I'm going to be real, not every Monday. 
it's a happy and victorious Monday when we're planting a church. Not every Monday is a Monday that we're, we're resting, you know, not every Monday is a Monday that we are uh, happy with the results. Uh, some, some of those Mondays, uh, we, we, we wonder uh, what, what happened in church, why this visitor didn't came in, why this problem here. So in those Mondays or these times of, of, of uncertainty, uh, you're, you're actually, when you have the consistency in your life, when you have the, consistent, the consistency in every method that you do, uh, you will wake up and you keep doing what you know what to do. Uh, you know how to do it. And you keep, again, uh, going back into, into the field. And when you're consistent, it's going to push you through and it's going to help your agenda and it's going to help your schedule. And you will find the drive again. You will find it. Uh, this is uh, uh, for the kingdom's sake. Uh, basically, everything you decide to do, uh, just do it consistently. Every single program, every single thing you, you add to your church, uh, make sure you put a uh, consistency. Consistency brings discipline, and discipline will bring results. Uh, consistency brings discipline, and discipline will bring results. My point number three is um, uh, equal effort and evangelism and, and retention. Um, we know uh, it's the will of God for everybody to be saved, everyone to uh, be saved. Uh, but realistically, and, and we know that not every visitor that comes to our church will stay in our church. Uh, not every person that will come to the doors will, will uh, ground themselves in, in, in our churches. And, and that's why we have to keep the flow um, of people. We have to keep people always flowing in our church. Um, I've seen it many times in these four years that I've been in the church. Um, um, thank God for the people that, that is there in the church that, that, are, that are consistent and, and we spend time with them. Uh, but at the same time, we cannot forget uh, that, that, that some people will come, some people will leave. So we have to keep always people coming to the church. Uh, if, you, if you read the parable of the sowing, uh, it just, uh, uh, the, the amount or the percentage of the people that it's gonna stay in the solid ground and, and it's gonna produce fruit, it's very small percentage. So you have to always keep bringing people and, and that will help you uh, to uh, get away some of some disappointments in uh, church planting and set some goals uh, for evangelism. You know, we, we've done it. Uh, we have done prayer walks. We have done um, outreach. Uh, we have done garage sale, food sale, uh, VBS, uh, door knocking, uh, flyers, mail outs. We have done a friend day uh, in, a, in a way to uh, evangelize. And it's good to do all this because we have to keep always people coming into the church. You know, people will, will come and they will get saved, they'll get baptized and they will get solid. Some other ones uh, will move, so will walk away, but at least you always keep uh, uh, the, the flow of the church um, coming in, 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 um, in your church. And um, my point number four, it's kind of like about evangelism and, and retention. And our most effective way uh, or method uh, that we have used to grow the church is Bible studies, home Bible studies. Um, I teach about uh, a week, about 12 Bible studies a week, aside from my regular services and regular group Bible studies. Um, I try to go uh, to 12 houses every, every um, week uh, consistently. And I have given um, booklets for my Bible studies through all Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay. And, and some Bible studies, I, I start, I do the first lesson. And, and, and sometimes these people, they, 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 won't, they won't come back uh, to my Bible study or they don't open the doors again. And, and you just got to keep um, looking for someone else to teach Bible study. But I think the fact is that someone is welcoming us. 
uh, to their home and, and to hear the word of God and the most effective opportunity uh, to bring the kingdom of God to them and to someone's house is declaring that the family is safe. Uh, sometimes uh, I, I just wonder if, if, if teaching Bible studies and this is being real, um, is it worth it? And, and I have said something into my spirit every time I come out of a Bible study and I said, Lord, it's one soul at a time. I wish we will win uh, 1,500 people in just one preaching, but in reality, uh, it's just one soul at a time that we will win. And, and when, when, when this happened, uh, these Bible studies, uh, yes, they will consume time. Yes, they, it's going to take time. Sometimes my Bible studies, um, it take me maybe uh, a year, a year and a half to finish just one Bible study. Uh, but I know so far right now, the people that I have taught Bible studies, uh, they are in church. They are solid. Uh, they're consistent uh, in this time of, of uh, uh, pandemic. They, 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 they were actually helping us, getting everybody else connected. So Bible studies, I think uh, it's one of our, 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 our strength uh, to grow um, IVN, Iglesia Vida Nueva, and it has helped us in a, in a big time. I, we enjoy the fellowship sometimes in these Bible studies, uh, even though I stick with the material in the time that I'm there, I eat with them and they're with them. I, I love their kids. And, uh, and sometimes I get to uh, talk about real issues and, and leave the Bible study a little bit for aside and, and then just talk about real issues in their lives. So I'm able to actually pastor them uh, before they're even getting saved. Uh, so that kind of like helps in getting that connection uh, with the with you as men and women of God and in the church and these new converts and and the fifth um, point it's accountability. I really I give honor to um, my Bishop Daniel Davy and Pastor Rashidi Collins. Uh, they're they're mentors and they have helped us big time. And I have learned some things are taught and some other ones are cut. And I've been privileged to learn. And, and accountability makes a huge difference when we are planting a church. Always connect with someone. Thank you, Brother Stewart, for being here and, and Nam uh, for always allowing us to connect with you. And we, we don't take this lightly. We don't take it for granted uh, because we need to be accountable with someone. Uh, the fact that we are planting a church, uh, we need someone else to cover us in prayer and fasting and connecting and we can give uh, uh, some uh, uh, words and, and, and say how we're doing uh, to someone else that has been through what we are going through. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you very much, Brother Mary. I love the way you boil down those uh, five points and I think it really would help you know everyone on the call to really you know understand it better and and, and take some takeaways from that to apply. We have some questions that came in for you also, but we're gonna save the questions to the end because we so would like to have Brother uh, Akil Thompson. And man, he's the extraordinary church pastor up in the Toronto area, the extraordinary man. So that's why he picked that name, I'm assuming. Brother Akil Thompson has been a blessing us here at North American Mission. He's gonna talk in a few minutes about building a team because once you connect to your church and it starts to grow, connect to your community and it starts to grow, you need to build a team. So Brother Thompson, just share us some lessons that you've learned as a church planter and that can help us in building a team. And then at the end, we'll go to some of the questions. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I honor everybody on the call. Uh, I'm encouraged, praise God, and uh, feel equipped. This has been so, so good. And I'm thankful to be able to spend a few moments with you. Uh, God is doing a great work and none of us have come to fear this day, but I believe we've come to shape this day. And so I'm excited to hear what God is doing. Uh, one of the things that uh, we all understand is that uh, we have, we need people to do this uh, and many hands make light work. You're not gonna be able to do this alone. And you are motivated, you're motivated because you're on this call, uh, but mobilizing others is an integral part of the church building process. But let me be clear, it's his church and he builds it, praise God. So God does the work 
and we're just going to let God do what he does and we'll get out of the way. But a few things that have helped me in mobilizing others is one, realizing that it's his church. And if I'll do his bidding, he'll build it and I'll just get out of the way. But I would encourage you, uh, love people. I know this sounds simple and corny, uh, but just love people and believe the best about them. Uh, now, this is personal for me. We're all being authentic and we're family. So uh, my natural disposition uh, is one that's probably a bit more to, uh, to see the glass half empty as opposed to half full. But by faith, praise God, God has helped me and is renewing my mind and helping me transition uh, and to see things through faith and not start in the natural. So I have learned and the Lord has been teaching me, love people and believe the best about them. I have a couple of things uh, that I declare about 20. At some point every day when I pray, the first thing I do before I get up in the morning is I pray, I just get in the presence of the Lord. I believe that words shape our world. Uh, and I believe that uh, you'll get what you say. I'm not talking about blabbing and grabbing it. I'm just talking about uh, you have to realize that Job said thou shalt declare a thing and it'll be established. So as I'm praying and praying for the people I serve and the community that we're in, uh, I immediately say, God, you've called me to develop leaders. It's not uh, something I do. It's who I am. I am a leader and I'm here to serve others. I declare that. Uh, and then I want to encourage you to just empower people. Uh, when you empower them, here's something that I think when we're starting this, uh, it's usually our families and we're all in, all hands on deck. Uh, and it's difficult for us to empower other people. I want to encourage you to empower others uh, and know that a good volunteer, a good volunteer will do 50% of what they say they're going to do. <laughs> uh, so uh, what we have to realize is we have to embrace the impact of empowering others over a specified standard or a result. And that's really tough uh, because you want a particular quality, you have a particular standard, and bless God, that's got to happen, especially in its infancy, you're trying to protect the brand, et cetera, et cetera. But at some point, you're going to have to relax that a little bit and value impact over that standard because they'll get there if you give them an opportunity to grow and develop them. So I want to encourage you to empower people and value impact over the standard. The next thing I want to encourage you to do is it talks about, as we're talking about mobilizing people, do for one what you can't do for all. Uh, you're not going to be able to take everybody out to eat. You're not going to be able to take everybody somewhere to a special conference. Uh, you're not going to be able to introduce uh, Brother Stewart when he comes to town to everybody. Uh, but you will be able to do that for one person. And just because uh, you can't do it for everybody doesn't mean that you shouldn't. So do for one what you can't do for all. Uh, it's okay. Sometimes we find ourselves being immobilized because we, well, if I can't do it for everybody, I'm just not, it's just not going to happen. Uh, I think sometimes we espouse or we buy into that notion because uh, we sometimes espouse it to this fair doctrine, but there's no, fair just doesn't work. <laughs> and it's not biblical either. So it's okay to do for others, uh, do for one what you can't do for all. Something else I wanted to talk about is how do you train people, uh, especially, and how do you uh, develop people, especially that you didn't pick? Uh, not, you know, I, most of us aren't in that place yet where we're hiring staff. So we're working with volunteers and we're just working with who we have. I want to encourage you to view people as treasure. But the young blood talked about the field. You know, the Lord's heart is in the field. <laughs> and if we will treasure people and understand that they have worth, then they'll get our best and then some. But it's amazing if you don't value somebody, you'll just kind of give them whatever, uh, the scraps, if you will. So pray, God, help me to value everybody, every interaction. Uh, David developed his mighty men. They weren't that way to begin with. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they were broke, busted, and disgusted. They had nothing going on. And David was just like, oh my gosh, help me out. He was bemoaning but something shifted in that cave uh, for David. He got his eyes and his sights on the Lord, and he began to develop those men. And wow, they became giant defeating men. 
And so I want to encourage you, uh, love on your leaders in that regard and realize that our leaders are our version of our frontline workers. And so they need to, we have to take care of them. Uh, I do my very best to with, with volunteers and those to respond as quickly as I can to communications as they're trying to be engaged in getting things done. Uh, I'm really concerned about their spiritual health, their emotional health. I try to connect with them often. Uh, and so uh, I would encourage you to do that and just kind of realize we are all here to add value. So I'm just here to help people become better. Uh, better. I want them to feel like every time they've interacted with me, man, I'm glad I hung out with Pastor Akil. I'm glad I was on this call. Value was added to my life. But we've been in those moments like, oh my God, this is a waste of time. Can this thing just hurry up? Uh, no, no, no. I want to add value to people's life. Uh, and so when you bring people to your team, they should be better at following Christ. They should be better uh, in their marriage. They should be a better spouse. They should be a better leader. They should be a better friend. Uh, they should just be improving as they're part of your team because we add value. You'll find out where they belong on the bus later, but just start by adding value. Something, some practical things that we do. Uh, I do uh, weekly staff. Now I pray, I pray a couple of things. This is old. Uh, this is a John Maxwellism, uh, but he, he began to pray. He said, God, send me tens. In other words, he was talking about leaders who were tens on a scale of one to 10. I pray almost daily, God, send me strategic leaders and strategic givers. And then that grew to strategic worshipers, praise God. Uh, but you know what? I pray that every day. I ask Nam to pray it with me when I submit my reports, uh, but I want to encourage you. Uh, here's what we do. We, we do a weekly staff meeting, uh, and God has helped us. We have people, all volunteers, who are so committed that every week we meet. During that meeting, we do leadership development. Uh, I'm either going to do it in advance, a YouTube video I'm going to share with them, something I've recorded. It might be a book we're going through, an email, a, a different blogger. Uh, I'll bring in a guest speaker. Uh, I would encourage you all to do that. Uh, also help them with a personal growth plan. If you need a template, you can just Google one, but I've got one. If it helps you, great, you can use it. Uh, Pastor Stewart, let me know how to share it and, and we can yeah. share it with them. Uh, but, uh, and then also uh, we have a monthly ministry team. We, everybody is involved at EC. The moment you show up, you're gonna get involved. Uh, and, and so um, we want everybody to be empowered, but with that, the ministry team meetings, they happen monthly, leadership development is at the core of what we do. I tell everybody at EC, they know this, we are leaders of leaders. We are called to lead and serve. And so we will develop leaders, we're passionate about it. Uh, so those are a couple of practical things. And then lastly, um, some things, some tools or lessons that have helped me become better, a better leader and work with building a team. I wanna encourage you to communicate often and clearly. Uh, I would say we understand that leadership is influence, uh, but the next most important thing is our ability to communicate. Uh, and we have vision. That's great. Communicate a grand vision. But is that vision clear? If it isn't, everything else is just lost in translation. Uh, you may have vision, but you might not have clarity. So I would, I would encourage you to communicate often and communicate clearly. Just say what needs to be said. Just say, and as preachers, we all struggle with that if we're being, especially as apostolic preachers, praise God. We want to get it all in. It's okay. Just my wife helps me with this. Every time she's my chief editor, every time I prepare a communication, I promise you, she guts it by like 50%. And I'm like, no, that needs to be said. She's like, no, it doesn't. Just say what needs to be said. So I want to encourage you, communicate often and clearly. I feel like if I'm at a, if I sound like a broken record, I'm probably 50% of the way there. Uh, it's amazing. I know what I said, but I don't know what you heard. Uh, so communicate often. A uh, couple of other things, just be clear. Clear, when I say clarity, uh, clarity is kind. Uh, people wanna know where you stand, where they stand. So uh, communicate clearly uh, and, it, and, and do that in a kind way. A couple of other things and I'm done. I would encourage you to create a culture of feedback. 
every time I speak, every time we get done with the meeting, uh, a communication, I'm constantly asking for feedback. I want to know what others think. I want them to know that I value their opinion and that they have a part, uh, a seat, not only a seat at the table, but a voice at the table. Uh, and so um, I also let them know this, uh, that I'm going to give them feedback and that my feedback is not rooted in my preference. It's rooted in what I consider to be effective. Uh, and so I try to work on that. Uh, and I just encourage you all to be really, really good at feedback, having that dialogue. Every meeting, they know when we get done, it's feedback time. What about this meeting was, I'm, I'm, I'm family with you all, so I'm just going to tell you, we're like, what was whack at this meeting? <laughs> what did we need to stop doing? Uh, am I wasting your time? It's, what do we start, stop, and continue doing? Uh, and so we have those conversations, and it has helped us with our clarity. So those are just a few things that have helped me in this process, and I hope that they have added value to you in some small way. I honor each of you, and thank you for having me. Amen. Thank you very much, uh, Brother Thompson. And I will tell you, we've done quite a few of these calls. And since this call is being recorded, I probably shouldn't be saying this. But this is the first time I'm sitting here thinking, I can't wait for this call to end so I can go back and listen to it again. Because usually I'm distracted monitoring the call, admitting people. But I'm going to go back and listen to this entire hour again. You guys have really impacted us, and I want to listen to it uninterrupted. Now, um, one of the things, I just got to mention that this is one of the best. Someone's agreeing with me. Amen. One, one of the um, things I am going to ask our four speakers, if you could text or email me any notes, we have the template you mentioned. And those of you that um, have registered for this call, so we have your email address, we'll email all these notes out to you. If you do want to get a copy and you didn't email to get, to get on this call, you can email me directly, kstewart at upci.org. Just give me your email address and we'll get you a copy of these notes. kstewart, just K-S-T-E-W-A-R-T at upci.org. Send me an email and I'll get you added to the list. And we will post this video and the notes on our website. In addition to this, we're going to make this, this part of our podcast. If you're on Spotify or iTunes or any of the podcast formats, Go to North America Missions, UPCI. We already have several things on the podcast. So join our podcast, go to North America Missions, UPCI. But this lesson from the field will also be a part of our podcast. A few questions have come in. Amen. Um, first one will go to Brother Wilshire. A question looked like it should be to you. You mentioned that God enabled you to put distance between you and the church you came from. What is your advice to someone looking to how to handle transition from a church where you served for years? I think that um, the biggest thing is that you have just total respect for where you're coming from and uh, it's a must. And where you're going doesn't involve the past, it involves what God's got for you for the future. And what's in front of you is what's important. So don't try to hold on to the things, be able to Keep a friendship, but with a define with a defining line. Um, you know, we should pray that God will make that distance between us out of just out of respect. We're only 25 minutes away from where we were, so it'd been very easy for there to be issues. But God knew what He was doing. He created that space for us to distance us over the several months to have to to allow us to have respect for. Uh, the leadership that we were under there. And um, that's, that's, I guess that would be my answer. Ask God for, ask God to create the barrier of protection for your, your neighboring brother to, to make sure that you preserve that relationship moving forward. Last thing you want to do is end up with a bad neighbor. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, Brother Worship. That's great advice. Brother Youngblood, can you share any specifics on your building? Yeah. So, uh, we are, we are church just turned two in May and uh, we, we got a new building. And so we are currently building it out and it is, um, it's crazy fun. And by crazy fun, I mean a touch stressful and uh, it's improving my prayer life. Uh, but we are, we're building out of space and um, it's, it's amazing for our church. Um, we got a great deal. Uh, and I think we're going to see some of that with our economy 
um, through some of this is it'd be a great time to to find location. So we got a, a great space for our church and uh, currently building it out. We should be in, uh, and I'll be posting videos and I, I'm crazy excited about it, but we, we should be in having service uh, in the next few weeks. And so it is coming together and uh, we, we haven't had our own space. And with this, for us, this will get us away from a set up every Saturday, tear down every Sunday. Uh, where are we going to have Bible study? Where, you know, all the things. And so we are, we're very excited. Thank you very much. That's a great testimony. And Brother Johnny Marin, what are the top two or three strategies or tasks that you've used that have helped you to reach new people and retain them? What do you think, how to reach new people? What do you think has been the best way to find them? Uh, well, to find them, I, I just, um, they, the word of mouth, um, I will say that's, that's a key, you know, um, I try to go uh, in and offer Bible studies, like if I'm selling something, you know, I said, I have a Bible study for you. It's just going to take you an hour of your time anywhere you want and a coffee. Um, uh, make sure uh, if they want to come and in, in to my house or just go have coffee somewhere else or to the church. And and I will say Bible studies, it's, it's my number one. Uh, uh, I teach Bible studies to... Um, it have happened to me that I moved uh, the, the the marijuana pot from the table away uh, <laughs> so I can sit and teach and put my Bible and teach the Bible study there. You know, so I teach from uh, like any type of uh, person as long as they allow me to get into their home, uh, I'm teaching. So I think that's my number one uh, um, goal to, to, to uh, win people and to connect with them. I feel... Uh, that I get to pastor them more in a Bible study than when I'm preaching in the church. Thank you very much, Brother Marion. That's great advice. And Brother Thompson, uh, what's the best mode for communication to your team? Things like text, Slack, email, or versus apps or ways. What do you What do you think is the best way to connect and communicate? You know, uh, it, we're fortunate uh, in that most of uh, our staff is really tech savvy. Uh, however, in light of that, I still, it's just trusty and it's faithful. I use email. Uh, we do have a couple of other project management tools that I use for very specific things. Um, Slack is one uh, and that works really well. Uh, but for me, it's email. Uh, we're all doing this by faith. Uh, and so uh, I am full-time in ministry. Uh, I'm not able to work a secular job if I wanted to when we came here. That's a whole other story how God has provided miraculously. <laughs> I can't tell. He said, if I need to send strangers to give into your bosom, I would. And he has done just that. Um, but uh, what works for most, because everybody has a secular job, uh, is email. They can read it on their own time and respond. And so for me, email works best. Uh, but then, as I did mention, uh, we use Slack for specific projects. Man, thank you very much. I have a follow-up question for you, Brother Thompson. Uh, working with someone that's difficult to work with, maybe a personality clash, um, <laughs> or maybe don't have the same vision, what, what tips would you give to working with someone? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, a lot of love. <laughs> long suffering praise god you know i um that's just really what it takes um because we have we're all going to live that it's going to you're going to have your early adapters you're going to have people that are going to wait to see what others do and come when the majority come and then you're going to have people that are just have their heels dug in uh, but i would let them know uh that it's it's not personal this is about what god is doing in this local assembly uh, this is not about combative me against you and you're not aligned with my vision. This is the vision that God has given us and let's be God aligned. And if we can get God aligned, uh, then we're going to be okay. Because uh, as this case, as the, the shepherd, God has given you the vision. Uh, and if they can get in alignment with God, it's, it's going to work out um, more cases than not. But you're going to have to suffer long, uh, and we've all been there and done that. So there is no uh, silver bullet, uh, and I'll just be transparent. Uh, the approach that we're taking, Canada is a very secular nation. It is not a Christian nation, uh, and uh, we have had to take a very different approach, one that even we anticipated when we planted, um, 
And uh, that has not necessarily resonated with some who have, you know, more of a established or rooted faith. Uh, but others have begun to see it and have bought in. And then there's been some times where we've just had to realize, you know what, we're just not aligned. And there's some incompatibilities, but it's about the kingdom and we celebrate you and we're going to help you transition. And we've had to have those conversations. Uh, and all that, though, God provides and he's doing a wonderful work. And um, yeah, so I, I hope that helps. I have learned to trust God more than ever in this process. He has blown my mind and uh, what he has done in two short years is just for us, it's just remarkable. Uh, and so we give him praise. So I would just encourage you to love people, love them, love them and pray that they'll turn that corner. And I believe if you consistently do that uh, and they see that it's not personal and you've loved them when it's been difficult to love them, that it is hopefully they'll buy in and even become your most loyal, which I have that in that in this one specific instance, we've had one where it didn't work out. And then another where, man, this particular individual is all in on what God is doing. And it's just remarkable to see uh, what one might consider to be a 180, but it didn't happen overnight. It happened because I believe we just were consistent in loving them. Thank you very much, Brother Thompson. We have Brother Galen Thompson, as I mentioned, who's our director of training and also a former church player himself. Anything you'd like to add or comments or questions, Brother Thompson, to our group or just share with the people here? Make sure you get you. Oh, had you unmuted there. I'll unmute you. There you go. You should be good now. Very good. I just have two quick points uh, besides saying thank you to our facilitators. And this was an absolutely marvelous time. And I trust and hope that this will be viewed over and over again. But two things that came to my mind uh, during the process of this is when I was early on in church planning back in the early mid 80s, I went away on a sabbatical to try to get my head together and uh, hear from God as to what to do in my mind. I was probably teaching three, four Bible studies a week, not 14 like my brother, but, and just, you know, working full-time job like most of you and spent time praying that whole weekend. And I didn't even hear anything from God till the very last day. And when he spoke to me, he spoke clearly. And he said, he gave me five things and I've lived by them and it helped significantly. First thing he said is God first, which is that relationship getting up making that determination to pray every day. Number two was family. And I thank God that he spoke to me at that point in time, because I know a lot of my uh, peers have put their family on the altar of building a church. And God helped me many, many times. My wife would come back and say, remember what God said, family number two. Um, number three is the kingdom. And quite frankly, I had that confused because I thought one and three were the same. But God had to teach me that God's first, family second, kingdom third. Uh, and when I did that, my family was completely consumed within the church and totally supportive. Number four would be your career or your job. And then number five is recreation. And that's something I don't think we take enough time to do. And if you take a look at that word, it really is recreation. And in the ministry, that was probably one of my greatest downfalls is not taking time for recreation. My last point that I jotted down was God has given you a transcendent vision, a vision that is transcendent, supernatural. It is so transcendent that it is absolutely impossible for you to fulfill it by yourself. That is why you got to build a team and you got to be able to trust that team. Hey Amen. Thank you very much, um, Brother Thompson. I appreciate you and your ministry. We're a little bit out of town. We have one more question come in. So, Brother Youngblood, it came in for you. I'm going to have you answer this question and close us out in prayer. Uh, we appreciate everyone. And once again, we thank our team for being on the call. One thing I'd like to say, I'm not even sure if our four church planners who put on the panel um, even have all have met each other. But watching each one of you rejoice when someone else shared a testimony where they were, it was just amazing to me. Just instinctively, you guys just had each other's back and were just rejoicing for each other as, as they shared. So we appreciate that. So the last question for the young blood is any creative outreach ideas for specific yearly holidays to offer an alternative for church members like Halloween, Super Bowl, or anything else that you've tried? Could you answer that question for us and close us out in prayer? Yeah. So, um, 
you know, I don't know if I have a, a magic answer there. I just, I just think, you know, as you, as you know your field, uh, you get a feel for what's happening in your field. And so, um, you know, I know there's a lot of strong feelings on all that. Um, you know, that's a tough question. Uh, we're not going to, you know, we, we, we don't do a Halloween party and we, we don't have a Super Bowl party. Um, you know, we don't host that at the church. Um, we, we don't do those things either. But I, I do think uh, mostly because the Cowboys haven't been in it in a few years. But if the Cowboys go this year, <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, this is our year. Uh, but I think, I think you, uh, you know, wise as serpents, harmless as doves, you know, there's, there's some of that element to it that you recognize, okay, what, where, where are the people in my community? What's important to our town? What's important, you know, if your whole town turns out for a festival that's on the weekend of, of Halloween and it's not going to compromise your convictions, it's not going to compromise the mission of your church, find a way to be involved, you know, find a way to, 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 to be there and be present. Again, you know, I think that's without saying, but there's there's some limits to that. Again, you know, you don't want to be, you know, we've never sponsored a beer festival. Uh, we sponsor a lot of things, but there's some things in our community that, you know what, the brewing queue may not be the great the greatest spot for great, you know, we didn't buy koozies and, and hand them out. So, you know, I, I think you can, I think you can be involved, but I do think it's important you find out, okay, what, what, what makes sense for our community and how do I become a part of that? So I hope, I hope that helps. Um, and if the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl, uh, you guys are all welcome to join us in North Texas. It'll be a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful time. Why don't we close with prayer? Father, I am so grateful for those that are here, that are answering the call, uh, that, are, that are involved in what you're trying to accomplish on this earth. And God, we're grateful. And we say this at our church. We're grateful that we get to be part of the story that you're writing. We recognize and understand, God, that you give us wisdom and understanding that you're the one that are, that are directing our steps. And we give honor and thanks for that. And we ask that you continue to lead us and guide us. I pray that everyone here leaves encouraged that you would strengthen them, that you would strengthen their hearts. I pray that hope and faith would rise. And if we've, if we've struggled with defeat or doubt this week, God, that we pray against those things. We know that you're for us, not against us. And we're grateful for all that you're doing. We give you praise in advance for a wonderful weekend this Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us and see you all at NAMCARES next month. God bless and have a good night.